about kind of our last point in this whole Meeting Jesus series. We've looked at a lot of different people from the woman at the well and the mercy of God uh, to people in the temple and the holiness of God, uh, from the garden in which Jesus was betrayed but never out of control, last week meeting Jesus on the cross, um, and then today meeting Jesus on the road. You guys ever been on a road trip? I love, I love driving, I love road trips, I love seeing new places and new things. And so this morning we are going on a little bit of a road trip with a couple guys, all right? Uh, one of the names we do, we're not, not quite Vegas. This road trip's a little different, all right? It starts off, this is the morning. Let me give you some background of what we're talking about, all right? Um, you got it, you found it, Luke 24? Good job. All right, so some background about this chapter. This is the morning. Uh, it's the third day since Jesus was crucified. He was put in the tomb, and Mary and, uh, they, and Martha run over to the tomb, and what do they find? You guys remember what they find? It's rolled, the, stone away the stones rolled away. Jesus is gone. The angels are there, and they're like, what are you looking for? Jesus has risen. And they run back and tell the disciples, and they have a hard time believing it. So Peter takes off, and he gets there. And they come back, and they're completely beside themselves. They're almost kind of confused and trying to figure out what could possibly have happened. Well, that very same morning, two of the uh, disciples in the sense of people who follow Jesus, if you remember earlier on in the, in the Gospels, Jesus sends out 70 people. They are, there's 35 little missions teams, two people per group. They're sent out to all kinds of different cities uh, on a short-term mission trip. They come back. Well, two of them now, that very same morning, they probably hear the news, and they're frustrated, they're sad, they're confused, and they begin to go on this little road trip to a place called Emmaus. You guys know about Emmaus? You ever hear of the word Emmaus? Uh, what we're talking about this morning is the road to Emmaus. They go on this road trip, and they're leaving, and Emmaus, the, the word, the very city means a place of warm baths. Think of like uh, Murrieta Hot Springs, okay, so these warm, awesome places. Think of a place full of jacuzzis, right? Yeah, just hang out. I don't know if they were going there uh, to sulk. I don't know if they are going there to try and find a little relaxation. I don't know if they are going there to try and just kind of forget what had happened. But on that road, we know a couple different things. They are together. They are talking up a storm. They're talking about what happened and Jesus was crucified. But then they said there's angels and the stone. Who could possibly move a stone like that? And they begin to talk and they're trying to figure out, what about the guards? How did how'd they get past the guards? Remember the angels? I know the angels. I didn't see the angels. And, and the women said that Jesus was risen. I don't understand. And they're talking about this, but they're super bummed out. They are super bummed out. And on this road trip, it's a solid three-hour walk. It's over seven and a half miles. And they're on this journey. And a man catches up with them, kind of comes out of nowhere, and begins to go along with them and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? You guys ever kind of uh, butt into someone else's conversation? They look at you like, where'd you come from? It's exactly the setting. They're talking and they're carrying on and they're bummed out and they're grieved and they're sad and they're confused. And so they're really on a road trip, not from Jerusalem to Emmaus. That's what they thought. They're really on a road trip from sadness and confusion to hope and a restored joy. And this stranger comes along and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? I'm like, what? what? What's going on? Who are you? What are you talking about? You know, it's amazing that when we begin to talk about the Lord, you know that God's listening well, he's always listening. No, I mean like listening. God is very much so in our conversations. If you or I to go to in and out and sit down or we're to talk after service and just start talking about the Lord and about what he's done in our lives and maybe sharing our testimony and how we got saved or we begin to share our favorite Bible verses, God is very, 
very, very into that. Micah, uh, or sorry, Malachi chapter 3, verse 16 is an amazing verse. It says that then those who feared the Lord, they spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and he heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate or think on his name. That means that if you and I were to sit down and start talking about God, he starts listening intently, and there's a book in heaven recording our conversation. It's going to be nuts someday to get to heaven and be like, can I see that book? What did we talk about? What did Tim and I sit down and talk about? What did I talk about with Joe? What did I talk about with, it's going to be nuts, but God's so involved when people begin to talk about him. He loves it. He's listening to it. He's recording it in heaven. And right here, these guys are on this road trip and they're talking and in comes a stranger and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? Now, what's fun and strange at the same time, we know who the stranger is. They did not. The stranger is Jesus. Wasn't he just crucified? Exactly. This is the resurrected Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And their bummed out state, the darkness and the depth of their just grieving blinded them from reality. And a lot of the times that's what trials do. Trials get us to look away from the Lord. They shouldn't. But that's exactly what happens. These guys are so bummed out, they don't even realize who they're talking to. It's the very one they wanted the most. Take a look. Luke chapter 24, starting at, where are we at? Verse 18. Then, or sorry, verse 17. Let's start in 17. And he, this is Jesus, said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and you're sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas, this is one of those 70 missionaries that were sent out, answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things which happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? You think Jesus didn't know that Jesus was crucified? Of course he knew. He's drawing it out of them. And he's pulling out of them what is going on, the situation and the place of their heart. And he says, look at what things? So they answered, they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the prophets, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping, we were hoping that it was him. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this today, it's, it's been three days. It's the third day since these things happened. Yeah, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early this morning, they, they astonished us. They didn't find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us, they went to the tomb and they found it. They're talking about Peter running and checking out for himself. They said that it was just how the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. And they say, man, we're bummed out. We're, we're trying to figure out what's going on. This doesn't make sense. Jesus comes along and he kind of steps into a conversation he didn't really have anything to do with and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? Why are you so bummed out? Oh, man, you're the, old, you're the only one not here this weekend? You didn't see what happened? You haven't heard the news? They crucified Jesus. We were, and we were hoping he was the one. We really believed he was the, the redeemer of Israel. If Jesus wanted to have a conversation with you, would you listen? I don't know. Would you listen? Yeah. Would you entertain his thoughts or would you think, oh, you're weird, get out? 
back off. When we talk about it, these guys, they had a lost hope and they were completely confused. He draws out the issues of their hearts. He says, what things? What things? I love it. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's a prophetic verse about what Jesus would be like. There's a word that sticks out, especially in this setting. We get a great example of it. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. His name, who he is, is Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Some of these names are mighty and powerful and strong, but one of the descriptions we're given in Isaiah is that he is our counselor. That when things go wrong or we're confused or we've lost hope, he steps in to give us advice and wisdom and to direct our steps. And Jesus comes alongside these guys and says, hey, what are you talking about? Talk to me. What's going on? Why are you so sad? And so they begin to share. We're bummed. All of our hope was in Jesus and, and we've lost hope. We've lost Jesus. They had lost hope. The problem was not Jesus, all right? The problem was not Jesus. Jesus was doing just fine. The problem was not Jesus. The problem was them. Their hope, their faith, their trust. It was only in part of what God had promised. But the reality is Proverbs 13, 12 tells us that hope deferred, or when hope is kind of moved to the side, or when it's derailed, when hope gets a flat tire, it makes the heart sick. I don't know if you guys have ever been on a road trip and have a car break down or a, a tire blowout, but all of a sudden you're cruising along, like, whoa, this is awesome. Blah, 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 blah. Ah! You pull over and you're freaking out and what's wrong, and then you go and you try and get out the flat tire or the new spare, but the spare's flat because you didn't check the spare, and oh, man, all of a sudden the greatest day ever turns into the worst. These guys, their hope, man, they were flying high, and then all of a sudden within uh, one week's time, everything had gone wrong. Their heart had become sick and plagued by the trial. They say, Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet, mighty in deed and mighty in word. This is what Jesus did was amazing, his deeds, what he did. Jesus was mighty in his deeds, his actions. He did things that no one's ever done. He fulfilled prophecy. We saw with our own eyes, the blind, they could see, the mute, they could speak, the deaf, they could hear. He raised people from the dead. I mean, this guy was amazing. And when he spoke, spoke. Even the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they said, man, how does this guy speak with such authority? We've never heard anyone talk like this man. Accounting the years that they were, were listening to him in the temples, and they said, this guy was so different. We were so, so sure. He was crucified. He said, we hoped, but they only hoped in part. They hoped that he would be the redeemer of Israel that he would wipe out the Roman government, that he would come in and establish his throne. And that will happen, and that is prophesied about, and it's going to be fulfilled. But they missed a massive part of the entire Bible, that Jesus wasn't just coming for the nation of Israel, but that he was coming for the sins of the whole world. But when our eyes are only on half of truth, I don't know about the last time you guys got a 50% on a test, but when I was in school, 50% is an F, Right? Still is. Okay, good. <laughs> it should be. They had half of it right. They had half right. Jesus is going to come back, establish his reign. He's going to be king. It's going to be awesome. But 50% is a fail, and they only had their hope in 50% of the truth. And so, of course, their hope was derailed. Of course, they got a flat tire. 
But God has plans that are bigger than our understanding. If you guys go through things that seem, you seem to lose hope or you're confused and it doesn't make sense, it's not working out the way you wanted it to, let me encourage you in something. God's plans oftentimes are bigger than our understanding. Why doesn't God tell me more? He, he, if he did, you couldn't understand it. Yeah, it's like telling a puppy not to pee on the floor. That's a good one. It's like trying to explain trigonometry to a kidney gardener. They'll get there, but not yet. Trials are like that in our lives, and situations are like that in our lives. And so when we lose hope, don't hope in the situation, hope in the Savior. They had hoped in what Jesus would do, not in who he was. Uh, God has plans that are bigger than our understanding. I've seen in my own life these things come to be true. Now, we just moved like six months ago, and the reason we moved, we don't have it anymore. When we moved six months ago to a new house away from our family and changed our kids' schools and all this stuff, I thought we were moving because we were going to be adopting these two little girls, and we needed a bigger house and all this stuff, and guess what? It didn't work out. And so you're stuck far away from your family in a new neighborhood in a house you're not comfortable in. You're like, Lord, what the heck? We know you moved us. This couldn't have happened without you. So, Lord, what's up? And in months that have followed, and I'm sure things to come even still, we've seen that God has brought other people into our lives to encourage us or to build us up or different opportunities to share the gospel with neighbors and to see kids come to the Lord. It's been amazing that, oh, Lord, you knew what we were, you were doing, that his plans are bigger than our understanding. They always are. Don't ever forget that God's plans are bigger than our understanding. You guys have heard of a, a girl named Bethany Hamilton? You've seen a movie called Soul Surfer, not Soul Survivor, Soul Surfer, right? Uh, when she was a young teenager, was it 13, 14-ish, 13 years old? Uh, a shark came along, bit off her left arm, obviously. There's a picture of her. Um, it, it, it's nuts. And you would think, I'm telling you, I watched a movie called Jaws when I was a kid. I still have a hard time going in the ocean like 20 years later. It's nuts. The shark comes along and takes her arm off. That's her surfboard, like... With the hole cut out of it. What is that? And she's like, oh yeah, look. She's amazing. You can put the next set of pictures. She still surfs. She still wins championships. She still continues to go on. And guess what? How does she do that? You could sit there and be like, okay, that's it. She's a Christian. She loves the Lord. And her arm gets ripped off doing what she loves. She wasn't doing anything wrong. And you can be like, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? Since then, no doubt, if you talk to her, faith has grown tremendously. Her impact on people has become amazing. They've made movies about her and interviewed her. She's been on national television telling people about Jesus. In the moment, I'm sure it did not make sense. But the moments after that have followed, God's plan was bigger than her understanding. God's plans are always bigger than our understanding. When things seem to fall apart, rest in knowing God's got it. John 16, 12, he tells uh, the city of Jerusalem, he tells the disciples, he says, I still have many things to say to you. There's more to show you. But you cannot bear them now. You can't handle it right now. You're not ready for it yet. Well, how come they weren't ready for it yet? There's a variety of reasons. 
Sometimes it's our pride, sometimes it's our arrogance, sometimes it's our sadness uh, or our trials, sometimes it's just our immaturity and we need to grow. I don't know why, but God says, hey, there's more to be done. There's a bigger picture out there. When we lose our hope, sometimes it holds back the truth. Don't look at the situations, look at the Savior. And they say, look, now it's too late. This is the third day he's been dead. He says, Jesus of Nazareth, we had hoped in him, but they crucified him, and gosh, it's been three days. I mean, it's been three days. After three days, I mean, I don't even know much about the human body, but things begin to go wrong. After, it begins to reek after three days. Your eyeballs begin to dry up and shrivel up in your eye sockets. Like, it's bad news. So this, this is it. Is it really? Last time I read my Bible, God lives in a world where there are no impossibilities. That all things are possible with God. Didn't he say that? Luke chapter 1, verse 37. When the angel announces to Mary, she says, how's this going to work? I can't have a baby. I've never known anybody that way. I've never kissed a guy, all right? He's like, don't worry about it. What do you mean don't worry about it? This doesn't work. He says, don't worry about it. With God, nothing will be impossible. These guys say, oh, it's been three days. Maybe two days. I I don't understand their reasoning. Maybe two days he could have come, but not three. You guys know the story of Lazarus? Lazarus dies. Jesus is weeping. He comes, and they begin to accuse him. If you would have gotten here sooner, Jesus, could you imagine accusing God? Lord, if you would have done something sooner, maybe this wouldn't be such a big mess. You better watch out. It's awesome that he doesn't destroy us when we have that kind of attitude. But he comes in, and what happens? He raises Lazarus from the dead. You guys are familiar with the story? He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out. He's been all wrapped up. They unwrap him. Welcome back. I'd be so mad if I went to heaven for four days and then had to come back. What's up with that? How long was Lazarus in the grave? Do you know? Four days. Good job. Four days. Well, if the Lord could raise a normal human after four days, I'm sure he could raise himself after three. And Jesus is there. They don't know who he was talking to, but they've lost hope. They're confused. They say, man, we're beside ourselves. We've been astonished. We're out of our minds. We don't get it. This doesn't make sense. They lost hope, the confusion. It's okay. Just look up, right? Well, this quote was reading a book the other day. It said, we cannot see him because our minds are self-occupied. When our minds become so focused on ourselves, we're going to have a hard time seeing Jesus. We cannot see him because our minds become self-occupied. A lot of the times, that's what trials do. Be very careful. When you get bummed out and you get sad or you get confused, it's okay to feel that way. I'm not saying, hey, be happy. You guys have been on that road trip. If you don't be happy, this is going to be the best day ever. Be happy. Okay, yes, mom. Okay, yes, sir, dad. I'm going to be happy. Like, I'm not telling you, snap out of it. If that's your day-to-day, if you're like, man, I've lost hope. I don't understand life. I'm confused. Things don't make sense. I'm not telling you right now, just pretend to be happy. Get with it. I'm telling you, though, there is a reason to have joy. Oftentimes, those things, when we become so bummed, it's because all we're looking at is our situation. If you start seeking God, I guarantee you things will change. These gentlemen, they're walking along and they're, talking with Jesus, and they begin to share with him. They don't hold it back. Hey, man, we're bummed out. We're super sad. 
Look at Jesus starts talking to them, verse 25. Then he said to them, oh, foolish ones. I don't think he was like, you fool. That's not the context. You foolish ones. You knuckleheads. Come on. You're slow of heart to believe in all the, what all the prophets have spoken. He's referring to the Old Testament. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses, what books did Moses write? You guys know? Right, the first five books, the Torah, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He says right at the very beginning when the books that Moses wrote, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He says, he doesn't say, hey, guess what? I'm Jesus, boo. But he opens up the word to them. How does God get us out of the darkness that we seem to step into sometimes? How does he pull us from our depression or take us from confusion into a place of understanding? It's going to be through his word. I don't like to read. You need to figure out how to get yourself on the Bible. Start listening to it. Start reading it. Start uh, asking questions about it. Start talking to people. But when we are stuck in our lives, God uses the word to bring clarity and hope. He says, you foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all what the prophets have said. What trips us up? says, Moses and all the prophets, do we know what the Bible says? There's two things I think that mess us up. One is just simply not knowing the Bible. One of the biggest problems amongst Southern California Christians, they just don't know the Bible. Of course we lose hope. We don't know the promises or the, the things that God has said. We lose hope. For others, though, they're, no, I know the Bible. For these guys, I think they knew the Bible. They just weren't hoping in it. They didn't have trust in it. Do you believe in what God has said? One, either we don't know the Bible, or two, we're not trusting in it. We're not trusting in it. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. What does that verse look like? What does the verse look like? It looks like when a shark takes your arm off, God's got a bigger plan. They don't see it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. So trust in the Lord, walking by faith. It means when mom and dad split up, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. But I'm going to trust in the Lord. It means when that friend stabs you in that back or that lady or that guy betray you or that what, whatever. Someone's lying about you or they're gossiping about you. It doesn't, you don't see it okay. Trust in the Lord. His plans are bigger than our understanding. Moses and onward. <laughs> Expounded. He began to unpack it. The word expound, it means to be unpack, to unfold something, to make it clear, uh, to put it into your native language. So what does Jesus do? He takes the Old Testament and he begins to show them, this is what this means, and this is what this means, and this is what this means, and he begins to unpack it. Most of you guys uh, get stockings for Christmas, right? Stocking hungs with care. Our stockings are usually so full, they will just fall off the fireplace, so we have to set them next to it. Um, I, I think the stockings are as much fun as the presents. You're like, what's in this thing? 
and you begin to pull it out like, oh, a toothbrush. Like, I don't know. Like, we always get the weird things that you need anyways. Like, oh, gum. I love gum. Like, I love gum. I love toothbrushes. You should use them sometimes. Uh, I don't, whatever, random stuff. Tic Tacs, a pair of socks, right? It's like, oh, what else is in here? And all of a sudden, you get like a roll of quarters. It's 10 bucks. Like, yeah, 10 bucks. I don't know. But to begin to unpack, you know something's in there. And then you begin to pull it out, and it begins to come visible and tangible, and you can see it. It's exactly, Jesus begins to pull out of the Old Testament things that were foretold about him specifically. You know, look at your Bibles, this entire thing, what is it predominantly about? The whole thing from beginning to end is about Jesus. The whole thing, the whole thing, beginning at Moses, Genesis chapter one, all the way to the end of Revelation points us to Jesus. And he begins to show them in the very beginning and all the way through the prophets. And we read later on, even the Psalms and the Proverbs, he says, look at these things. It's always been pointing to me and their eyes begin to open a little bit. We'll find out their hearts begin to burn within them. They begin to get excited and begin to understand a little bit of what's going on. How does Jesus bring hope? Through his word. That's why we read, it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. How do we know which way to go or what decisions to make when things aren't clear? The word of God. What about when we mess everything up? You know, King David did that, right? Little shepherd boy says, Lord, how does a young man cleanse his ways? Have you guys ever to clean your room? You ever have to clean the room and the hallway because your room got so messy it spilled out into the hallway? (laughs) Like some of us. If you're saying, no, that better not be because your mom picks up after you. You're like, oh. Why would you ever have to clean your room? How to get dirty? A stranger broke in and messed up my room. Yeah, of course, that must be it. No, it got dirty because you messed it up. That's the way it works. David says, hey, Lord, how does a young man cleanse his way? How does our way get uncleansed? We mess it up. How does God fix things, put them back the way they're supposed to be? How does he rearrange your lives back to his original plan? This is through your word. Awesome. He begins to unpack these things and make it clear to them, the prophecies about the sufferings and the resurrections. Uh, in the back, if you guys want to print it out, these things, there's so many insane prophecies, things in the Old Testament that pointed to Jesus. I'm going to read these fast. In the book of Matthew, we read about that Jesus was born of a virgin, right? That was prophesied about in Isaiah chapter 7, that he'd come from the family of Jesse and be a relative of David, King David. That's Luke chapter 3, we read about it. Isaiah chapter 11, Jeremiah 23, hundreds of years in advance was prophesied about. Where Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, prophesied about in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, that the wise men would come and bring gifts at his birth. That was prophesied about in Psalms chapter 72 verse 10. Uh, presented by a messenger that an angel would announce his birth. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, that when Jesus came and ministered to people, they'd be miraculous things. That's Isaiah 35, 5 and 6, that he would teach in parables. Even the way that Jesus would teach people was prophesied about in Psalms chapter 78. Uh, He would enter into Jerusalem on a donkey one day. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, that he would bring light, truth, and hope to the Gentiles. Isaiah chapter 60, that he would raise again from the dead. That wasn't a new surprise. That was prophesied 
that about in Psalms chapter 16, that he would ascend back into heaven. Psalms chapter 68, when he was betrayed, it'd be by a friend, not a stranger, but a friend. Psalms 41, sold for 30 pieces of silver by Judas. Zechariah chapter 11, forsaken by his disciples. They'd all flee and run away. Zechariah 13, accused by false witnesses. He wouldn't do anything wrong except to hire people to come in and lie. Psalms chapter 35, and this is insane that he'd be mocked and made fun of. Psalms 22, that his hands and feet would be pierced. We talked about this last week. Again, Psalms 22, crucified with thieves. Isaiah 53, this thing goes on and they wouldn't break any of his bones. Uh, Psalms 34, that his heart would be broken inside of him. Psalms 22, prophesied about his side would be pierced. Remember they take a spear to see if he didn't run it into his side and water and blood come out? What's up with that? Zechariah 12, all, I mean, that was half of what's on these things. It goes on and on and on. Jesus is clearly announced throughout all of the Old Testament over and over and over again. These guys had hoped in half of the prophecies, maybe. They missed it. Do we miss it because we don't know it or do we miss it because we don't trust it? The word. You guys ever hear that song? You guys ever hear the Will Reagan band or something like that? Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. Hey, that was pretty good for me. Oh, right, thanks. You guys never heard that song? All right, we got to play that song after service. It is an awesome song. Okay, I have never had anyone clap for me singing before. I think you're clapping because I'm done singing. That's what it is. Look, here's the deal. When the word of God is in us, this is nuts. Be, I, guys, try it out. You got Christmas break coming up, right? Maybe. Sit down with the word. Maybe. You better have Christmas break. If not, let's sue somebody. You need Christmas break. Look, here's the deal. Get out your Bibles. Spend 15 minutes in the morning. Make a cup of hot chocolate. Put a candy cane in it. I don't know. But sit down with the Bible and say, just like this, I'm serious. Ask. If you ask earnestly, if you ask earnestly, you'll be blown away. You say, Lord, just, just do something in my heart. Lord, just speak to me something. Help me understand your word and then read. Read the same thing twice if you have to. Just read, read your Bible. I'm telling you, you're going to find out. Maybe you're like, I hate reading. You may. I still don't like reading very much, but I get real excited about the Bible. How does that work? How is it that the biggest book I've probably ever read in my life is like 100 pages long, and I love this beast. Like, what is that? God makes it alive in you. He'll bring hope, and he'll bring joy, and he'll bring clarity, and he'll restore what our life seems to try and take away. Jeremiah, you guys remember the prophet Jeremiah? Chapter 20, he makes this very awesome statement. So then I said, I will not make mention of God nor speak any more in his name. Could you imagine? You're just like, Lord, I'm done with this. I'm not telling people about the Bible. I'm not telling people about your word. I'm done. God's like, really? That's awesome. What changed his mind? Was it a huge spiritual spanking? Not at all. It says, but... His word was in my heart like a burning fire that was shut up or trapped up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. So I said, that's it, no more. And I sealed my lips, and it began to boil in me, the word of God. 
was so alive in my heart that I could not keep my mouth shut for long. That when we sit down with God and we open his word and we ask him to speak to us, his word will make things clear. These guys think they're going from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They need some time off. And on this road, who do they meet? A stranger who is not a stranger at all. They meet Jesus who uses the word of God to bring clarity. Jesus uses the word over and over and over again. Remember when Satan was tempting Jesus in the desert? What did Jesus use? Songs? No. Philosophy? No. A dictionary? No. Scripture. He quoted scripture. You read Matthew chapter 5. You've heard it said over and over and over again. You've heard it said about murder and adultery and divorce. You've heard it said an eye for an eye or you're supposed to love your neighbor. That's all quoting scripture. You've heard him say, honor your father and mother. Jesus is quoting scripture. He says, haven't you read in the beginning God made them male and female? He's quoting Genesis all through the gospels. What does Jesus do to bring them to truth? Scripture. The Bible. It's amazing. Look at this last section. Probably my favorite part. Verse 27, at the end, beginning at Moses, talking about the heart and the mind of these guys, bummed out. They're on a journey, not from Jerusalem to Emmaus, but from sadness, brokenness, and confusion to hope and joy. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. They almost got to Emmaus, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to keep going. But they constrained him. You need to knock that off, all right? Deal? All right. They constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, check this out, as he sat at the table with them. So Jesus and the two guys sitting at a table. Could you imagine having dinner with his, your friend and Jesus? What would he do? What would Jesus do? He'd sit there with you. He'd talk with you. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, he blessed it, and broke it. And gave it to them. In that moment, verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they knew it was him. And Jesus vanished from their sights. They said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So it says they rose up that very hour and they returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 disciples and those who were with them gathered together and they begin to tell them everything that happened. They tell them about their little vacation, their road trip. It was amazing. Jesus was gonna keep going. Isn't it amazing? They get to their little town, maybe it's their hotel and Jesus is like, all right guys, thanks for the conversation. That was great. Uh, they could have, he's, I'm gonna keep going. They could have been like, okay, yeah, great. Hey, thanks for telling us those Bible verses. That was awesome. Uh, have a good weekend not what happened though jesus didn't say invite me in he didn't stalk them he didn't uh, grab them and put them in chains that you're coming with me it's not how god works the lord will not force himself on anyone the lord will not force himself on anyone joshua chapter 24 verse 15 tells us that we're to choose, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. He prefaces it, says, if it seems evil to you, if you don't want to follow Jesus, don't. You don't have to. You can deny him. It's an option. 
It is an incredibly unwise option and foolish at best. But God will never force himself upon you. Today, choose whom you will serve. Will it be yourself or the Savior? Isaiah 6, 8 says, whom shall I send? God's talking, and who will go for us? God's not going to make you do anything. So Jesus comes, he says, hey, I'll see you guys later. They could have just as easily said, okay, great, have a nice week. In the same way, the Lord will not force himself on anyone, neither will the Lord deny anyone who wants more. The question earlier today was, if the Lord wanted to speak to you, would you listen? I hope you would. Most of us probably would. But when you were done listening, when he was done talking, would you want more? Would you want more? These guys were not content. They were like, okay, hold on. Why would you keep going? It's almost getting dark. They come up with all these reasons. Why don't you stay with us? Hang out a little longer. Abide. Come on in. This word's amazing. The word abide is, is huge. John 8, 31. If you abide in my word, there it is again. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. John 15, 4 says, abide in me and I in you. It's this constant exchange of living. The idea is a, a tree branch stuck into the stump. What's the stump doing? Constantly pulling out nourishment and sending it out to the leaves and to the fruit. And the leaves and the fruit are pulling in the sunlight and they're bringing nourishment to the stump. And there's this constant exchange. You take a tree off of the stump, it's dead. It's over. You cannot detach the two. It says, you abide in me and I in you and we do this life together. And no matter what happens, you abide in my word, trust in my word. Don't get derailed. John 15, 11, it says, why, why? That the joy of the Lord would be in us. This abiding thing brings joy and that our joy may be full. When we abide in God, trust in God, it restores. You guys know about marriage, right? Your mom and your dad probably got married one day. Does a marriage... Is it a one-way street or does it take two people? Could you imagine standing up there and you're like, I take you, David. Hi. I'm going to take care of you. Well, thank you. I'm going to work hard to get us a home. Thank you. And you make promises to yourself. We do this all the time. We want to build up our own kingdoms. No, marriage doesn't work that way. It takes two people. And it's not just, you ever see a wedding? You're like, yeah, they're kind of boring. No, listen to what's happening and see it from God's perspective. The husband is making this pledge to his wife. And the wife's not just like, okay, great. Yeah, take care of me. Sweep me off my feet and carry me around for the rest of my life. She makes pledges back. They're promising to each other. That's what abiding means. It's not a one-way street. That, hey, I'm going to invest my whole life into you, and you're going to invest your whole life back into him, and that you're going to constantly do life together. Whether you like it or not, the other person is what's most important. Jesus says, if you can learn to make God the number one focus in your life, the most important, your joy will be full. It's amazing. Jesus used something familiar. He blessed and broke the bread. When else did Jesus bless and break the bread? 
I can think of two other places for sure. One of them was when a little boy had loaves and fish. Jesus took it to the 5,000, he broke it, blessed it, broke it, and boom, it fed a ton of people. But there was another time, the Last Supper. What, it, what reminded them, oh my gosh, it's Jesus. It says, as that moment, he, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and right when he gave it to them, it says they understood, oh my gosh, we've been walking with Jesus for like two hours. Jesus, and poof, gone. Where'd he go? What just happened? And they look, it was him. Oh my gosh, did your heart, my heart, yeah. Well, I was so excited. He started talking to us about Genesis and the Old Testament and the, and the prophets, and he was, he was telling us about him. He's alive. What was it? Was it, the break, was it the action, the blessing, the breaking of bread? Was it that when he extended the bread, the sleeves rolled up and they saw the holes in his wrist? I, I have no idea. But in that moment, God didn't use something new. He used something familiar. When we are broken and we are distraught and we are confused, don't look for something new to hope in. God uses what's familiar. Look to him. Trust in him. Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's all about Jesus. These guys get so amped up. It's late at night. It's got a three-hour walk. They're like, I don't care. I'm done here. Forget our jacuzzis and hot tubs and our, our weekend of relaxing. They run back through the middle of the night, walking down the dirt road in the pitch black dark to get back to tell people about their road trip. We love coming back from vacation and telling people all about what we've done. We'll Instagram what we're doing. Well, we do. We do it all the time. We'll tell people about what we got for Christmas. We got to be that excited about Jesus. We've got to be. But the only way we'll ever get there is if we understand who he, who he is through what he has said. If Jesus wanted to talk to you, would you listen? And when he was done, would you want more? Don't be satisfied with what you have. Don't just assume, I'm good with God. This is enough. Say, Lord, I want more. Lord, today's a new day. I want something new today. I want to hear from you for today. Thank you for yesterday. What's your plan for today? Seek him, and I guarantee you, your joy will be full. Whatever you go through in life, it will make sense in the end. His plans are bigger than our understanding. Trust him. All right? Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you so much. Lord, it's not a sin to be bummed out or sad. Lord, thank you that we have the freedom, Lord, to be knocked down sometimes. Lord, I ask for us, Lord, that we wouldn't stay down for long. God, that you would run to us as you did these guys, that you would show up in this journey of life, and Lord, you'd speak to us, remind us. And Father, for as often as we just constantly want to be entertained by what's new in the world, Lord, may, may our contentment be in Christ. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, Lord, you're amazing. 
Thank you for coming. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen.